Well, thank you guys so much for joining us on another episode of the Gregor's Ministries podcast. We're so excited to have two very special guests with us today. We have Luke Lober joining us from Paris, France, and we also have Timo joining us once again from Spain. And, you know, Timo, the last time we were together, we also had Brad Spangler on and you guys outnumbered me in Europe. And once again, we <laughs> find ourselves in the, the same situation. <laughs> exactly. Love it. <laughs> yeah. So guys, thank you so much for joining us. We're excited to have you on and, and to let you, uh, you know, your voice be heard to everyone that's listening. Yeah, it's always really good to be be with you and uh, be on the podcast. Yeah, thank you very much. It's an honor and privilege to to be with you guys and just talk about what the Lord is doing. And we're glad to outnumber you again. So go Europe. <laughs> <laughs> go Europe. Uh, I, I was really looking forward to this episode just because... Uh, I really like uh, just the combination that we have here. Just uh, you guys are both friends that I've really connected with on on several topics. And uh, when I thought about this uh, podcast, I really thought Luke would do just phenomenal on the subject of revival. Uh, just because when I met him, it was just so strong upon upon him and other people that I know that he knows. You know, that's that's what they talk about. He just carries that spirit of revival. And so to start this off, actually, I would love to, to hear a definition of revival from you, Luke. What do you, what do you, what, what do you say about that? Yeah, so I think for me, you know, there's obviously so many things, you know, that I think are compacted inside of revival. But I think if I were just to give, you know, like a simple definition of what revival is, it's, I would say it's like a full measure or a full restoration of the presence of God, so much to the fact that like the people around you in your family, city, nation, whatever, are, are aware of it. So I think it's a fullness of the manifest presence, the manifest power, you know, the manifest glory of God. And I think, you know, obviously we're in such a strategic time right now where we need that, you know, um, in the body of Christ more than, I mean, more than ever. So, you know, you can see that, um, you know, all throughout the world that how, you know, darkness is just multiplying and growing more and more but you know we see throughout the word of god that you know if there's darkness how much more does grace abound and you know i think that that can go hand in hand with the revival it's like you know if the darkness is getting darker well then we should have the faith to understand that all right well our light is going to get lighter so that means what like greater miracles greater signs greater wonders greater healings you know greater power and so you know for me that's kind of um the the simple aspect of it and it's actually really cool too and um I love actually the translation of it in the French language because, and Timo, I think you might know this, like revival, if you were to say revival, it's more translated like to awakening. But like if I were to ask my daughter, à quelle heure tu réveilles? So like, what time did you wake up? So revival is the same word as wake up in the French language. Mm. And I love that. So it's like a challenge, you know, in the same time, it's like, yes, it's, a, it's a, um, an event, but it's also like something that really happens, you know, personally. And so I think that this is something that needs to go into the church world, but also in our personal lives and in our family lives, like the church needs to wake up, you know, to the power and the true authority that we, that we carry. Yeah. I love that. Actually, when, when you were saying about, you were talking about this happening into our personal lives, I really wanted to, to ask you where, did this start in you? Where was this born? You know, when, when did you start burning for revival? Like the way you, you do. Yeah. So, um, I was 17 years old and I mean, obviously, you know, you're 17 years old. And so you're kind of like at a, that's like the crossroads of your life, like last year of high school, you know, senior year. So what's the direction, you know, of your life. So for me, I was, I kind of had two options that I wanted to do. So I was either going to, um, go play uh, football in university or um, in American football. So if we have any European people listening, I will say uh, football American. Um, and then if, um, so it was either that or to for military, because I really, um, I don't, I wouldn't say I had a dream, uh, like my dream was to really go into the military, but I think it was just something that I, always kind of like aspired to doing was like to serve and be in the military so it was either do that or do that that was kind of like the crossroad well i was 17 years old and it was in february of 2010 
where my grandparents, they invited me to just like a Holy Ghost meeting, a Holy Spirit meeting. And so, you know, at this point I was like, you know, why not? I'll just go and <laughs> if um, maybe, you know, I'll get confirmation of what I'm supposed to do. And, you know, Grant also at this point in my life, I wasn't very, you know, I wasn't very hungry for God, the things of God. It was very um, casual. It was just casual Christianity, you know, for me. And, um, you know, like going to church, but, you know, at this point, the church we we're going to, like, they just remodeled the sanctuary. So the seats were like really comfortable. So they were like the perfect chairs to like take a nap in. And so, like, <laughs> so that was kind of, yeah, going to church. There was no, um, uh, yeah, no, yeah, I wasn't excited about it or anything. But, you know, I love Jesus, but I just, it, it was just so casual. There was nothing other than that. So, um, so I, I, my grandparents invited me to this meeting and it was at that meeting where I was seeing things that I'd never, you know, seen before. And, you know, people were, you know, falling out. There's the, you know, power of God. There were gifts of the spirit. Um, you know, people like were encountering God. People were laughing. Um, I mean, all of these things were happening at the same time. And I was just like, whoa, you know, but it, it was interesting because I wasn't like afraid of it. You know, I was really like in a um, honest place, you know, with myself. It was just like, you know what, um, God, I, you know, I need an answer. I need direction. And I'm really just kind of open to whatever, you know, whatever you want to do. And so in this specific meeting, there's maybe like 100 or 150 people there. And maybe seven of us were young people, like below 23 years old. And then it skipped like three generations and it was like 75 and older. <laughs> <laughs> so of course the ministers, like all the young people come to the front and we're all like looking at each other. It's like, well, we have to go down, you know, we have no choice. So, you know, we go down to the front and the minister, you know, she's laying hands on people and they're falling out. And it's just like, you know, something like this had never happened to me, you know, before. And so, you know, she comes and lays hands on me. And I mean, I was just like, boom, out. Like I hit the floor and like, it was in that moment that I just had a total, total just transformation completely. Like a new heart, a new mind, like everything. It was dramatic, like a very dramatic time. And I was actually stuck on the ground for three hours. So like, I literally could not get up because the power of God and it was just the presence of God was just so tangible and so real. And I was like, just, you know, weeping and I was laughing. I was just so confused because this is stuff that I, I, I'd never experienced before, but I knew it was God. And the only way that I can kind of like explain it, it was like, there was a war over, um, over my spirit, over my destiny. And I could almost like feel it tangibly, like above me, it was like, I knew there was like the kingdom of God that wanted to lead me and you know, what the Lord wanted to do. And I could almost feel like the enemy, like below me was like, no, no, like we have something else for him. Like we want to kill him. We want to destroy his life. And, you know, it might sound creepy, but I mean, it was just the, it was no. just in this, that's, that was just what was happening. I knew there was a war over my destiny, over my spirit. And um and i was just i remember just saying like with my mouth like god i'm ready for you like i'm ready to to do this and it was just like then it was at that moment it was just like the lord just began to download so much into me and um it was literally like within one day everything changed my desires changed the way that i spoke changed the music that i listened to changed i mean i began losing like all of my friends you know because they thought i was crazy like it was within a week, like the Luke that was, you know, 17 years old was totally different than the Luke that was, you know, just a few days later. And like, all I can say is that the Lord just really gave me, it just changed my heart, my heart. And um, so then it was at that point, I was like, I don't know what ministry is. I don't know what ministry looks like. Like, I don't have any, you know, family that's in any type of, you know, ministry aspect, but I was just like, you know, I'm just hungry for, for whatever God, you know, has. And so that was like the beginning stages, that initial counter encounter, you know, with the Holy Spirit that just kind of like set me on the track for, uh, for everything that God had, you know, for us. So, yeah, and it was very much a revival meeting. Like, you know, it didn't have to be like, you know, 5,000 people, but it was, I mean, it was really the spirit of revival, you know, in that, in that place. So. Love it, man. Love it. Love it. Um, 
I have a, not the same kind of experience, but it was around the same age. Yeah. It was around okay. six, 16 years old. I had what I call my personal revival in my, you know, in my bedroom. I had, you know, yeah. lo- known and loved God all my life. Um, I was baptized in the spirit when I was 11 years old, speaking yeah. in tongues. At an, you know, it was a tent meeting in Belgium where my mom, uh, she wow. she saw how, how hung, hungry I was for the Lord, and she just said, "You want the baptism of the Holy Spirit," so I got <laughs> it, and uh, and started speaking in tongues right there when I was eleven, and never let wow. go of it. But yeah. uh, you know, just didn't have that full on, just life changing encounter with the Lord yet until I was sixteen years old. And, uh, and for about a year, or even it was maybe a year and a half, I had this very strong encounter in my bedroom almost every day, where wow. I'd meet the Lord with the, with the scripture and prayer, and, and all, this, all the things that you experience in what, what, what we call a Holy Ghost meeting, I was experiencing right there, wow. you know, in my bedroom. And, uh, and it was right there that actually the Lord spoke to me about you know, going to Rayma when I was, uh, when I was finished with high school. Mm. And so I remember, you know, going back to my high school, all excited, because I knew this is what I'm going to do after high school. Everybody was confused. They had no idea what their, you know, what their plans were going to be. And all of a sudden, you know, I, I came and I was so on fire, you know, just knew, knew that I knew that the Lord had called me to ministry, oh. you know, and, uh, and to preach and to, and to really, carry that hunger for his presence because that's what it that's what it does right when you encounter god in that way you're wrecked for anything else (laughs) i mean you're ruined and uh and when you define revival and you said that it's the awareness of god's presence um that's exactly what happened i mean i was so aware of his presence that anything else just lost its taste right you know sin lost its taste all of a sudden you know just these things that i was dealing with and struggling with were were just gone like that um you know the desire to be accepted by 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 other people that you know trying to fit in it just it was gone yeah the fear of man the fear of man that's right the fear of the lord comes (laughs) and, and and you lose that the fear of man and um and so from there on, it was about the same age. And I remember it was a few years later. Um, I went to the States. I started preaching for the first time outside of my, uh, my home church, outside of my father's church. And as I started preaching, I started experiencing and the people started experiencing the same things that were happening in my own mm. personal time. And I started seeing Okay, this is actually how the Lord wants to to operate. He wants us to be revived personally. He wants us to experience him, encounter him, and be carriers of that presence. So that when we, you know, we don't minister just, you know, having a nice outline and a guide and, okay, this is how we're going to do ABC, but we carry the presence. We carry him. Yeah. And uh, uh, I kind of wanted to transition now and, and you know, you, you talked about, we are such, we are really in such a strategic time. And I kind of wanted Josh to, to kind of like really share his heart on why he thinks we're in this strategic time for revival today. Why revival is such an important thing. Well, even, even just to kind of go back into my own story, I have something very similar to what you guys, you know, experience. And what it was, was there was a time where I had grown up in church my whole life, but then there came a time where I knew that this had to be real to me. It couldn't yeah. just be something that sounded good. It couldn't be something that, you know, I'm so thankful for the generations that have come before us and the generals and faith that have come before us. But there came a time where I had to be something real to me. And something that I could possess for myself. And I remember being in my room, you know, probably around the same age, maybe 18 years old. And I just said, God, I've heard about what a relationship with you is like. I've heard about what experiences with you are like, but I've never really experienced you for myself. And so I'm going to lay down everything I've heard before, and I'm just going to allow you to to show yourself to me. And I remember I was in my room and I just felt this heavy presence. And Luke, just similar to you, I felt like I was just compressed (laughs) down on the floor where I could 
not get up. I couldn't say anything. It was just this heavy breath. And I just found myself crying um, because I was experiencing the love of God in a way that I never had. And I think that, you know, even revival during these days is going to be a revival of the love of God. And what I mean by that is that people experience the love of God for themselves and, and actually starting to show that to other people. There, there's so many opportunities all of us face in our everyday life to get frustrated, to get upset, to kind of show the way that our emotions are, are feeling, but the love of God transcends any of our emotions or any of the way that we're, we're, we want to respond to other people. And so I, I truly believe that, you know, revival isn't just a good idea. It's not something we've heard about just in the past, but it's something that's moving forward. And Timo, like you said, it's something that begins in our own personal lives. And I think that there needs to be that strong desire in all of us to not just experience God corporately, because man, I love experiencing God corporately in the church service where the Holy Spirit is moving. But Timo, like you were saying, to experience those gifts and those things that the Holy Spirit wants to give to us in our own personal life. Mm-hmm. And so I remember, um, you know, I was just praying in the Holy Spirit one time, and then I began to prophesy, and I began to interpret things that I was saying in the Holy Spirit. And that's when I realized that the gifts of the Spirit are not just made accessible to us in a room full of other believers, but it's actually accessible to me as just a, a believer in Jesus. And so, you know, those things that we've read about in Acts and the things that we've read about from the people in the past that have come and have, you know, demonstrated the works of the Holy Spirit, those works are still available to us every day. And it just really begins um, with our mind. I truly believe it. The, the battle is in our mind. We give a lot of credit to the devil, to the enemy from stopping us and holding us back. But the reality is, is that we have the ability to break through anything that the devil is coming against us. So, you know, I believe that revival begins with us. And, you know, something I had been thinking about was a lot of times we, we go to different churches and people will almost like church shop. And they'll be right. looking for a church that has revival. And so they'll go to a church, they'll stay there for a while. And they're like, man, this, this place just doesn't seem to have it. And so they'll go to another church. And, and if they don't feel like they're experiencing the work of the Holy Spirit, they'll move to a next one, never realizing that they may be the reason they're in that church that wow. is not experiencing the gifts of the Holy wow. Spirit, because they may have an awareness and you know, something somebody told me is that if you are aware of a problem, you may be the answer. Mm. So sometimes mm. we feel like we can be critical and say, well, this church just feels dead. This church just isn't moving in the Holy Spirit. Well, you may be the answer to yeah. that reason. And so I, I feel like we, uh, you know, as a body, as individual believers in Christ need to um, kind of take some responsibility that we know who we are in Christ. We know the Holy Spirit. And because of that, no matter where God has planted me in this time, I have the ability to kind of spark that flame. I can be the spark that ignites what's going to lead to this whole church experiencing revival. But I don't even know if that answered your question, Timo, but... (laughs) I think that's great. Yeah, Yeah, I think it's really good. Um, You know, you mentioned something that um, wherever you are, wherever God has placed you. you know, so, so what I always think about is that wherever you have agency, wherever you have influence, you be that spark, you be that, that, um, that builder of a, of a culture of prayer, whether it's a culture of revival, you, you be that agent of change. You know, you don't, um, that, that's something I want to share is that, uh, and I'll, I'll ask Luke this, is that, you know, we don't just wait around for revival, but we prepare for revival. You know, we build a culture of revival, whatever agency we have, you know, whatever God has entrusted us with, we, we go for it. We go all the way with it. And we, we be that spark that, you know, can rise up flames. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. No, I think that that's exactly, you know, right. Is like this whole personal revival. I feel like that's what we're kind of like all on right now in that same, you know, like vein regards to like, you have to experience it personally like you can't give something you haven't, you know, experienced. And, you know, for many people, um, you know, you can't just, it's, 
we need to return back to like the show and tell gospel. It's and I think mm -hmm. that the many people in the church world and even today have become like way too dignified. We've become way too like full of you know um, just own like humanly wisdom and humanly knowledge. And if you just get back like to the simplicity of the gospel and the simplicity of like the power of Jesus, and that kind of comes back to like that personal revival. It's like okay forget about what people think about me, forget about how crazy people might think I am. It's like, you know, I think we kind of hear all the time, like, you know, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman's like, I understand what people are saying, but at the same time, like, if he wants to use you, like, most of the times it might embarrass you, you know? Oh, yeah. And he's not, <laughs> I understand what they're saying, like, he's not going to force himself, you know, on you, like, to do something. He's not going to force you into obedience. But whenever you say yes to the Holy Spirit, like, be careful, like, watch out, because, like, not only will you probably be embarrassed and, you know, different things like that, but, you know, people are going to look at you differently. They might think that you're crazy and all of those things. And so it comes back to like this whole personal, like culture, like if I can do it in myself personally, if I can do it with my family, if I can take responsibility of that, then God can entrust me, you know, like with more. And, you know, I think even more and more as we see the things that are happening culturally around the world, like I firmly believe that revival, um, in a, in a, in a sense will look like a healthy family yeah. and like we need the restoration of like family. Cause that's the foundation of the church. So if like we have healthy families coming into church, then imagine what that'll spark, you know, in a church. But again, that, that comes back to that personal responsibility. That's right. And that's not like the most popular, you know, thing to talk about is like responsibility and doesn't matter what you do, like, you know, God will get you to point A to point B, like, I'm sorry, this, like, your obedience has everything to, to do with the plan of God and the will of God on the earth, Yeah. and Timo, just like you said, in regards to, like, prayer and all of those things, it's like, you know, there was never a major move of God without a move of prayer, and mm. that's, like, we need to return back to that, yeah. like, on our face, on our knees before the Father, and it's like, you know what, Lord, you have a response for everything that's happening in the world right now, and just like you said, it's not just to, to, to sit around and wait, but it's like, we can actively be waiting, you know, mm. we can actively be preparing ourselves right now, even stewarding this time with, you know, um, you, some of us, you know, might be in like confinements or lockdowns or uh, curfews and so on, but it's not wasted time. God's just, if we allow, you know, this time, like God's just preparing us even more for like what's about to happen. And yeah. I don't believe it's just something that's going to be in a nation. Like there's a global issue. And I think it's going to have a, God has a global response to it. And it's going to be a global revival, something we've never seen before, but it's us personally, like waking up and then it's waking up our families and it's waking up just, you know, Josh, like you said, like you being the spark in your church, you know, like we don't have to look somebody else. It's like, if you are the one, like in second Corinthians talking about like beholding as in a mirror, like the glory of the Lord being transformed, you know, into that same image, same image of Jesus Christ, like into the spirit of the Lord. Like that's so powerful to think that like, that's the spirit of God. He's transforming us more and more into the image of Jesus. And it's like, that puts it on us. <laughs> that doesn't like, we don't have to look to the, some other prophet or somebody else. It's like, we have that personal responsibility to walk in revival and to live in revival. And just then boom, we could be that spark in our church or in our community in our so on that you know people look to it's like oh wait i can if he did that i can do that too you know yeah i love this man um i love what you what you mentioned about healthy families right and and how so it starts with the individual but then it expands to, to your family and then it expands to your church it expands to your communities because at the end of the day you know, the Holy Spirit, it's not, he's not just poured out for me. He's not just poured out for my family. He's not just poured out for my church. Um, and I really believe that we're going to, we're going to see this. We're going to see the, the spirit of God break out mm -hmm. of our own boxes that we've made, you know, okay, yeah. this is where we meet him. This is where he moves. This is where he does, you yeah. know, his work. Uh, because as you said before, the revival is not just about a, a nice Holy Ghost meeting. I love them. And I've been in so many of them. And it's, it's wonderful, but revival is about the awareness, yeah. this God consciousness that affects an individual, a family, a community. 
you know, it, it's it's not a movement in the church, it's a movement of the church. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 I believe that uh, we're we're going to see this in in such a powerful way where we're we're not going to see the Holy Spirit just as a, a great feeling for myself and and oh man, we know that the, the manifest presence of God is such a joy. It's it's pure bliss, yeah. but it's it's going to be and and uh, now pouring upon us so that we can be those instruments and agents of change in society mm-hmm. um and and that's what you see all throughout scripture i kind of want to talk about that right now uh, all throughout scripture and all, all throughout the book of acts especially when you see revival breakout it's it's always outside of church yeah. <laughs> you know it, our 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 cities are so hard to reach is what people think, but the problem, the real issue is that they're not hard to reach. The real issue is that we're staying inside the building, right? They're hard to reach if we stay inside the building. But what we see when, uh, like for instance, in Acts chapter 11, in the city of Antioch, um, the Bible says that the Lord's hand was with them. And I love that picture. I believe that that's that's a, a, a really beautiful picture and a strong picture of what it means to have revival, you know? So yeah. the gifts of the spirit, you know, operating in power, operating in authority, operating in faith and all these things, that's normal Christianity. But a revival yeah. is when you're operating in all of those things and then the Lord's hand is with you. Yeah. And what's happening in the city of Antioch is that we see radical conversions you know, it says that a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Now, remember, this is the book of Acts, right? Yeah. In the book of Acts, you have Acts chapter 2, and they're telling us how many people are turning to the Lord. But for some reason here, he's not telling us the number, right? That's because it's probably a really, really big number, right? right? So we're talking about a massive amount of people converting, radical conversions. In Acts chapter 19, for instance, you see... Uh, people who are stuck into idolatry, witchcraft, you know, the unusual people mm-hmm. getting saved, Yeah. right? And I, I'm just sharing this also because I want to whet your appetite. You know, revival is not just for the backslider who just, you know, needs more of the Holy Spirit, although that's, that's awesome and, and, and we want that. But I, I'm longing for the day where we see citywide revivals and of an awareness of the, the presence and the consciousness of God all over yeah. a city where, you know, sex addicts, yeah. right, go into churches to be baptized. You know, yeah. the unusual conversions. Yeah. Um, what you also see is, and, and that comes back to the same point, is just an aggressive expansion of the gospel, hmm. right? Regions, yeah. and not just cities, not just families, but regions, uh, you see that, uh, interestingly enough, it says this went on for two years so that all the Jews, Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia, so this is a really big, massive region, heard the word of the Lord. Yeah. Um, I, I, you see, this is, this is what we have to expand our, our, our minds on. We have to, you know, like, like Josh said, the battles in the mind, we're thinking yeah. too small. We're, we're thinking of a great meeting and, and the Lord's wanting to take over cities. He's wanting to take over regions. Yeah. And then the, the other thing I wanted to share is that we see a company with these radical conversions, this expansion of the simple gospel, like you said, Luke, we see extraordinary, unusual miracles and manifestations of the Holy Spirit, manifestations yeah. of God. Um, and, and all throughout church history, we've seen these. And um, then accompanied with that is this extraordinary generosity. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. You, you, we see this already in the ministry of Jesus. When Jesus started this movement of the, of, of, of the Holy Spirit on earth, this, this, this just incredible three-year revival, really, in the region, you know, where he was. Um, he was funded by people who had the funds, who had the resources. Um, Acts chapter 11, again, uh, the prophet Agabus, you know, he, he, he tells them about the famine in Jerusalem. And all of a sudden, the believers in Antioch are funding towards the needs there's this radical generosity act chapter four you know the 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 people who had resources are laying down 
money at the feet of the apostles. Why? Because they're sustaining and supporting revival. Come on. That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I, I love that, man. And like you said, extraordinary generosity. And that's something that even God in his very nature is who he is. Mm. And you know, it kind of brought me even back to Exodus 33, um, whenever Moses said, God, show me your glory. Yeah. And I love that because he wasn't asking God to show him a miracle. He wasn't at, even asking God to provide for him. He had already seen the manna come from heaven. He'd seen the Red Sea part. He had seen all these amazing miracles and deliverances from Egypt, but he was saying, God, show me who you are. And if you look up that word glory, it actually means weight or substance or yeah. essence. So Moses was saying, God, show me your person. And so I think that even comes back to, you know, bring it back to just personal responsibility is us getting into the place, you know, we want to see this extraordinary generosity. We want to see these unusual miracles that are taking place, but how does that start? And mm -hmm. I truly believe that it starts with saying, God, show me who you are. Come Reveal on. yourself fully to me because I don't want to just know what you can do for me. I don't even just want to know how you can work through me. I don't want to just know. I don't want to get a validation by working a miracle or seeing somebody get healed through me. I want to actually know you, the very person of God. And yeah. so I love that, you know, in response to this, God says, I'm going to show you my goodness. My goodness will pass before you. And mm -hmm. so in response to Moses saying, God, show me your essence, show me your person. He said, my goodness will pass before you. And so I think that what it, you know, going back again to the personal responsibility is that awareness, God, you are good. Yeah. Not only are you are, are you good, but you are with me right now in this very moment. You are not far away. You're not somewhere up in heaven. But when I accepted Jesus, he actually made his home inside of my heart. Mm -hmm. And so that means all of his goodness, all of his glory, all of his presence, all of his miracle working ability is mm -hmm. dwelling on the inside of me right now. So now it's my responsibility to find a way to get it out. Come on. And so, uh, you know, I just want to you guys, either one of you guys to really share about now that I know I've got this awareness, God in me, I know he wants to be generous through me. I know that he wants to love people through me and he wants to perform miracles through me. How do I start? Mm. What is the first step I can take to start making almost this platform or this, this runway for the, the re revival of God to kind of land and make its home in what we want to do in our lives? Mm. That's beautiful. I, I, I love that. And, you know, I think that goes back to even whenever Jesus, you know, first called the disciples, he didn't first send them to go, you know, heal the sick and raise the dead and all those things. So I think it comes, he, Jesus, it says in Mark 3, it's like whenever Jesus called the disciples, he called them first to be with him. Yeah. And it's in the being with him that you're, you're close to the heart of Jesus. You're close to the heart of the father. And you can only stay so close to the heart of the father before you finding it. Like you find out it's souls, souls, souls. Like that's what God's heart beats for. And so it's just like that radical obedience. Like what you're saying, whenever you experience the goodness of God, the love of the father and those things, it's like, you, you can't help, but not like want to set, like you don't, you can't settle anymore. Like, you know, you read the story of the talents when Jesus talks about that. It's like, if you're caught in a place trying to manage the things that the Lord has given you, then you've missed it. <laughs> like you've totally missed it. If you're like in a stationary place, you're, a, you know, in position, like in life, because we're going from glory to glory, faith to faith. So we must use uh, what God is giving us and radically move forward with that in great faith. And I think that that's, it's just simply coming down to like, we don't need the Lord to tell us to go lay hands on the sick, to cast out demons, to raise the dead and to, to love on people. Like we don't need a word from the Lord. You don't need a prophet to come and or a prophecy. You don't need like an angel to open up a scroll and, you know, things like that to tell you to get, Hey, go out on the streets, cast out demons, go out on the streets, heal the sick. Go. Because just like, you know, um, just like Timo said earlier, like those are like, along with the gifts of the spirit, those are like fundamental things to the gospel. You know, those aren't the like way up, you know, here, whenever you're in the, whenever you've, you know, been in ministry for 30 years, you know, you can finally start walking into the fullness of God or something like, like we've totally like put our, our 
man side like into all of this and you know you can look at like in acts chapter two like what were the the char characteristics of revival and there's like four maybe five like particular words and it's something that's like really challenged me is like okay and you can like look through it i don't remember it's like acts chapter it's acts chapter two but it's like verses six seven and maybe like 13 something like that and it says that the people they were amazed um they were perplexed they were um what was the other word they were amazed perfect they marveled at the things that were happening and it actually, there's another word that says that they were confused. Right. So this is amazing. Like the things that I do not understand still have divine purpose. Mm -hmm. And that's what we need to like understand is like, I don't need to put my understanding into the what like the Bible says. It's not for me to criticize. It's not for me to necessarily like understand. It's for me there to obey. And, you know, kind of going into the, like at the end of all that, it even says that they were mocked. Yeah. And are we willing to go like all the way in obeying Jesus to where, hey, it, it, that's like, you're gonna be mocked. That's that's a part of it. That's a part of obey, uh, you know, obedience. And that's a part of just simply just listening to the heart of God and saying, you know what, go out and just, just start putting your hands on people, <laughs> you know? And that's like, that's how it starts. That's even reminds me, you know, Jesus said that we were going to be ridiculed. We we're going to be mocked for his name's sake. And so we don't want to hear it all the time. But, you know, persecution isn't in him reality. Come on. In, in him, we are going to experience persecution. That's just part of it. So we hear all these benefits all the time. And but we can't allow ourselves just to block out the things that we don't want to hear when we step into and start actually demonstrating the things that have been provided to us. Mm -hmm. There are going to be people that don't like what we're doing. Yeah, That's yeah. just the reality of it. But we have to be able to. And like you guys were talking at the very beginning, that there can't be a fear of man. We can't be afraid of what people are going to think about us, what they're going to say about us, what they're going to do to us, because we have a fear of God. And, you know, Timo, I wanted you to, to kind of share a little bit, because I know we had talked about, you know, I want to prepare myself for revival so that I'm not just waiting for God to download this revival and say, here's the time, but I want to be an active participant with it. And so I kind of wanted you to establish like, man, if I'm looking and I know revival is supposed to be happening right now in this time, how do I start actively participating in it today, even if I'm not seeing it with my natural eyes? Right. Well, one of the first things that I would say is that you need to be praying for revival. You need yeah. to be contending for revival with everything you have. If it takes, you know, waking up earlier, if it, if it takes, you know, staying up later, um, I, I love this passage in, um, in Habakkuk chapter three, uh, this prayer of the prophet is, is, is just something that has marked me and I've, I've preached on this before. Um, he says, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in all of your deeds, repeat them in our day, in our time, make them known in wrath, remember mercy. I believe that this, if that prayer of the prophet, you know, he's seeing what's happening around him. He's seeing what's happening in the nation of Israel and he's seeing judgment. He's seeing, you know, society completely lost, completely broken, completely destroyed. What he's saying to the Lord, he's saying, okay, I'm going to pray. I'm going to consecrate myself. I've heard of your fame. I, I stand in awe of your deeds. You know, I'm in reverence of who you are. I'm in reverence of what you can do repeat them in our day, make them known in our time. Yeah. And, and, and I love this. He says in our time, yeah. he, he's not waiting for another day. He's saying in our time. And I believe that we, we, we have to grasp it, grasp this and, and, and become people of prayer who will, who will pray for revival, who will contend for revival, whatever it takes. You know, I remember, reading in one of brother Hagen's books, I, I think it was the one on the fasting common sense guide, the fasting, you know, he would, he, 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 he would take time apart um, to fast and to pray whenever he would be in a revival meeting. Right. Why? Because uh, he knew that whatever he could do to prepare himself to be more sensitive, to be more aware, you know, to be more alert to what the Holy spirit was doing, he would do it.
right and then the lord kind of told him okay you don't have to fast anymore but you have to have a lifestyle of fasting right a fasted lifestyle you know a lifestyle where you it's a lifestyle of self-control right and so and and, and one of the the things that you can do to, to really dominate over these other lesser lovers and appetites is to cultivate this lifestyle of prayer a lifestyle that is just hungry not for the status quo but that says you know in our time make them known mm-hmm. and i and i really believe that the lord is mm-hmm. doing this he's raising up people who, who are going to you know do what it takes to pray out what god wants to do through the earth all throughout the earth and you see this all throughout church history whenever the lord poured out his spirit in such a mighty way that we call it revival it always was preceded by a movement of prayer you know, not long, not a long time ago, I was looking at the Brownsville revival. You know, they started praying for, you know, four years before it happened. Wow. You know, all of a sudden they had this burden to pray for the nations. They had this burden to pray for the, the society they were living in. They were in, in there's just this, the burden of the Lord came upon them. I, and, and that's one thing that I want to say is that it's not just, you know, cued prayers. We're talking about intercession. Yeah. We're talking about carrying burdens, carrying the burden of the Lord, yeah. talking about awakening or groan within us where yeah. only the Holy Spirit can take us in the, into these, you know, these times of prayer. It's, it's not man-made. You can't, you know, you can't, you can't, you know, fabricate it or try to muster it up. It yeah. has to be the Holy Spirit. And so that's, that's one thing I would share. I would love to hear what you guys have to share. There's more, but I, I believe this is so crucial yeah go ahead luke okay um i mean i feel like you nailed it like right on the head it's like i mean prayers the in essence like that's the i don't want to say that god made a formula but there's patterns you know and i think we would be ignorant to 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 not be conscious of those patterns and be like okay if this worked then then why can't it work now like you, you know, you mentioned Brownsville, like you can look at the Hebrides revival, um, you know, in Wales with Evan Roberts, like a young guy who wasn't well-trained, who didn't, you know, really know much about the word of God. I mean, there were much, there were very godly people like in England, like in that time, but it was like something happened with this young guy where he was just, you know, wild and crazy enough to really birth a move of God through prayer. And you know, even one of my, you know, favorite prayer, you know, verses kind of about that connected with prayer and all that is um, in uh, where James basically in 517 and 18, it says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, with like nature like ours. So, you know, we talk about the prophet Elijah, you know, and all of these things, but the same nature is us. Yeah. And like, that's wild. But what did he do? He prayed fervently that it might not rain. And so the, and for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. And what happened? Then he prayed again and the heaven, heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. And that's what we're praying for. We're praying for the rain of heaven. So it's like, we have to, that's our responsibility to, to pray for the rain. And then when the rain falls, that's, I mean, that's, that's revival. That's awakening that falls on the precious fruit of the earth. And that's the harvest. So like, that's the heart of God is to pray for the harvest. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of like what you see um, as like God's heart for, for everything. It's like, you know, and I think even connected with that, it's not, you know, I've seen people like in meetings, like you kind of see that culturally now today, sadly in the church, like people cry out to God for, for gifts or breakthroughs in meetings and, you know, like fruitfulness in ministry, but they really, but outside of that, do they really show love and intimacy with the Holy Spirit? Oh, wow. And I think if if you know the Holy Spirit, he carries all of the anointing and all of the unction of Jesus. Yep. So everything that we need is in him, like everything. And he is in us. So that's if we're close to him and close to his heart and we're praying. And, you know, I love I love him that you brought that up in regards to travail. Like who talks about travail nowadays? Like, where do you hear people talking about travail? But like, that has to be restored back into the church because in travail, like, I mean, I was in the room when, when my wife was giving birth, <laughs> like, you know, there's, there's a, a travail, there's, there's nothing that will come unless it is birthed through prayer. And then you'll see the promise, you'll see the manifestation. 
and that's that's prayer that's the that's the fundamental part of it i i believe yeah 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 and 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 one of the things that I, i'd like to encourage you all of us who are listening to us is that when we say pray for revival what luke said is is is, is so crucial we're talking about other people mm. talk about the harvest yeah um matthew chapter 9 jesus sees the crowd and he has compassion on them and he sees, you know, that there are like sheep without a shepherd. And he turns towards his disciple and he says, pray ye the Lord of the harvest. Right. And, and, and I love this connection because, you know, he sees people, he has compassion on them and he tells them to pray for laborers. Mm. Right. I mean, he, he, he's, he's not just telling, I mean, he, he could have said, you know, okay, do this and do that. No, no. He says, pray, start by praying for laborers and so we pray for other people to get involved right we 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 don't we don't want this to be our thing we don't it's not a show it's not you know what i can do what our church can do we want all of the body of christ to walk into the fullness of god and be a participant of this revival and uh and 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 then we're we're gonna start praying for the lost and having this burden this this agony really over people's souls and and i and i believe that one of the ways we can, you know, be set free from all of our problems that we have individually is to really start focusing on other people. And so when you start praying for revival, I'm telling you, it's going to be a lot, a lot less about you. It's going to be a lot less about, a lot more about your city, your community, the people you are touching. And so, I mean, just pray for the Holy Spirit to give you that burden for radical conversions. Yeah. Right. I'm not satisfied with just, you know, a great meeting. I want people to come to know Jesus. Wow. And one of the other things I wanted to share about preparing for revival is that whenever the Lord moves, it's always preceded by repentance. Mm. And I know that's not a popular thing, you know, to talk about nowadays. We, we don't like that world because we, we really think it's going to you know, break us and it's going to destroy us, but, but it is in a sense, it's, it's going to hurt in the beginning. It's going to be something really tough. Um, you know, nobody likes the Holy Spirit's conviction, but it's the only thing that saves us. It's the only thing that actually, you know, does something to us. And, and, and I believe that, uh, one of the things that's, that's going to happen and that we are to participate in is in a movement of repentance, you know, in our daily lives, you know, to, to maintain that close relationship with the Lord where we uh, honor him yeah. with everything we have. You know, we're not trying to earn anything from him, but we do honor him. And, uh, and as we honor him, we'll, we'll start having that heart of repentance where we turn away from those things that would hurt him. And also turn away from those things that would, you know, separate us from our destinies and purposes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think one of the most courageous and at the same time humbling things you can do is to say, Holy Spirit, prune me. Convict <laughs> me of any area in my life that may not even look like it's sin naturally, but anything that's distracting me, anything yeah. that's taking away my focus from what God would have me to. And so I believe that truly the, the one, if you were like looking for a place to start is mm -hmm. just to say, Holy Spirit, whatever it is in my life, that I could get away from that you can convict me for do it. I give you permission. And when we invite that conviction into our life, that gives us the opportunity to respond to it and start, start to seeing greater manifestations of what God wants to do through us towards other people. But Luke, I wanted to give you a chance to respond as well. And yeah, uh, I, I mean, you, you brought up a word right there, distraction. And that is like, I think that is so key, especially in this time and this day and age that we're in right now, like where distractions can be so like there, there can be distraction every second, like between, you know, your cellular device, your computer. And then, you know, I mean, what everybody's talking about in the world and, you know, the political world and financial, like, you know, there could be a great, you know, we could have excuses to, to be distracted right now. And you know, I think that that is the, the enemy will do everything he can. If the enemy won't stop you, then he'll get you out of God's grace timing. And that all has to do with distractions. And, 
Um, so I think kind of getting to the, the initial response of like, what can I do right now? I mean, Joshua, I think that's exactly it is just getting rid of those distractions, just being with the Holy Spirit and saying, Holy Spirit, what can I do like right now? And I think just being with him, just being in his presence and allowing him to, to, you know, to minister to you, because how can we effectively minister to others if we don't allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us? And so just letting him just minister to us. And then I think just simply, if you don't hear anything, like if the Lord doesn't say like, you know, go do this whenever, you know, like we know what the word of God says, you just go out and you just start simply obeying what is in the written word. And I think those are the, some of the most like practical, simple things, you know, that we can do right now to start preparing ourselves for this move of God that's, that's coming. Yeah. And Timo, there's at times, once we've entered into that area of repentance, where we find ourselves laying down and, and asking for forgiveness, but also moving forward, what can we expect? What's the next thing that we can expect God to do in our life once we've kind of obey, obeyed and taken that next step for ourselves? Yeah, I think one of the things that's going to happen is that we're going to experience uh, a greater degree of humility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and once, once because, uh, you know, it, it, God will oppose the proud. You know, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, God will oppose the proud, but he will give grace to the humble. And so when you repent, when you enter into that, that mode of repentance in your daily life. And I'm not talking obviously about beating yourself up all the time. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about repentance, you know, reordering your life, reordering, letting go of baggage, letting go of sin. You'll experience this degree of humility. And out of that humility will come a hunger for God like never before. Once you realize that you need God and that, you know, he, you you've humbled yourself under the mighty hand of God. Like, like Peter says, Mm. um, you'll experience his grace in such a way the hand of the Lord will be upon you. Um, I I believe it was Moses who was called the humblest man on the face of the earth. And yet as the humblest man on the face of the earth, he was one of the, one of the, one of the men, one of the men that God used to change an entire generation yeah. right so and out of that humility we know that god loves to dwell with the humble you'll yeah. experience his manifest presence like never before yeah and i thank you that lord right now yeah. for people listening to us people who are hungry for you lord thank you for your work of conviction upon them that they let go of everything that has been hindering their relationship with you. They let go of all that baggage, Lord, and they receive your grace in this moment and experience your manifest presence like never before. Ah, oh, thank you, Lord. And, and, and as you do that and you experience his presence, expect him to show up wherever you are. Yes. I mean, I, I've seen this in my own life, and I know you guys have seen this in your, in your own lives. Um, when the presence of God rests upon you, it's like Peter. You know, he was overshadowed by the presence of God. And, 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 and just by people being under his shadow, they were, they were being healed. Yeah. Um, when you're carrying the presence of God, it won't take long for things to happen. You know, you're, yeah. you're, you think you're just giving out an encouragement, but all of a sudden the power of the Holy Spirit's on that encouragement yeah. and, and, and they're, they're in tears, you yeah. know, yeah. and they're crying out for God right there. And you, you're praying a simple prayer, laying on your, laying your hands on them, but the power of God, you know, sets them free from, you know, chronic disease for 12 years. Right. Yeah. 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 You know, something I was thinking about, too, is just the fact that these seasons of revival and seasons of refreshing in God are they're not just wishful thinking, wishful thinking. We're not just hoping that they're going to occur, but they're a confident expectation and everything in God we are expecting to take place. And, you know, kind of just to wrap it up, Timo, and I'll, I'll give Luke the chance to respond as well. But there was a scripture we had talked about, which was Acts 3, verse 19 and 20. And I just kind of wanted you to share on that as well 
Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Acts 3, uh, I love this. It's, it's one of my, my, my favorite scriptures about revival because you have this, the promise of, of what Peter calls seasons of refreshing, seasons of reviving, right? This is what he says. He says, repent, therefore, you know, so the repentance proceeds and then turn again from your sins that they may be blotted out so that there may come seasons of refreshing from the presence of the Lord and that he may send the Christ, mm-hmm. right? So you have this order, you have repentance proceeding, you have revival, seasons of revival. So not just one revival, but seasons, right? Times of refreshing. And there are times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. Again, it's that God awareness, that God presence that invades a city, invades a region, invades a nation. And then it says that he may send the Christ, right? So we have this biblical pattern where we see that when we're expecting the return of Jesus, what we're also going to be expecting is seasons of revival. Mm. And like Luke said in the beginning, you know, as dark darkness gets darker, light's going to get brighter. And I believe that we're, we're heading towards something we've never seen before. And, and, and it's amazing because if you think about it, what, what has already happened in the last century is incredible. Yeah. I mean, since Azusa Street, we've seen a move of God like never before. Yeah. And yet it's, it's nothing compared to what we're going to see right before the return of the Lord. And so I, I pray that that scripture would, would cause you to repent. Amen. You know, if you want to be a participant of revival, man, there's nothing better than to start repenting, letting go of baggage, letting go of sin, letting the Holy Spirit work on you, and then prepare for those seasons of revival by prayer and, uh, and expecting the return of Christ. Amen, bro. And Luke, I just wanted to give you the opportunity to, to share any last thoughts you had or any final word that you had in your heart. Yeah, you know, I, you know, there's so much in this and it's just a beautiful thing. And I think if you can just, if we can just stir people's hearts a little bit to think more um, just outside of what maybe we're, you know, listening to or hearing on a regular basis. But, you know, I think this is something that's unique is like God never intended for heaven and earth to be separate. And if we can live with a reality of where, you know, so, you know, we have people listening in all different places and, you know, they might be sitting in their car or sitting somewhere, but, you know, so naturally this is the issue is we live in a natural world. So naturally, you know, we, you know, we pick up our phones. It's a natural thing. We talk, we shake people's hands, or if you're in France, you give the kisses in Spain. I don't know if you do that or not, but we do. Uh, Okay, so what? Um, so, but everything that we do, you know, you go to work, it's natural and all these things. So our minds are almost trained uh, innately, like to be natural thinking. Yeah. But, and that's, a, that's the downside to our nature, how God created us. So if we could become more aware of actually where we're seated. Mm-hmm. So spiritually, you know, what doesn't matter where you are naturally, spiritually, you're seated at the right hand of the Father in Christ Jesus in heavenly places. So like, if, if we could just allow that reality to shape this reality, the way that I, that I think, the way that I talk to people, the way that I live my life, the way that I go to work, the way that I you know talk with my family, the way that I talk to my kids, the way that I even go to church, the way that I worship, the way that I pray, if we could allow that reality to, to be the superior reality over where we are right now, I believe that that is where we can um, that we'll begin to taste things that we've, you know, never tasted and seen before. And I love Timo exactly what you said is like, you know, we have there. There's been amazing revivals that have happened in history, but there's never been something that's like going to be coming. And it's the former and the latter rain, you know, coming together. Yes. And 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 how many times do we abort moves of God because what God is doing here doesn't look like it what it did back then or what He's doing over there. But it's in the beginnings. It's in those places of fervency and, you know, of the small meetings. It doesn't, if ma- you know, revivals don't start in the massive meetings in stadiums. They started with the faithful three or four ladies, you know, wow. who've been praying for revival for 40 years, you know. And so it's in those, it's in those small gatherings where people become more aware of the Holy Spirit and how he manifests. And, and I believe that that's, you know, that's God's heart manifest. And so if we could just become more aware spiritually of that 
of then I think that would just change so much of the uh, of the you know the way that we do everything in this in this life. And that's so good. And I just want to encourage everyone again, you know, no matter what it looks like in the world, God is moving Come and on. he's doing something tremendous. And what he's doing starts with each and every one of us. Yeah. We're not just looking to a pastor or to an organization or to somebody to move for God to move through, but through each and every one of us, he is doing something amazing in this earth. And so, man, guys, thank you again so much for joining us today. Timo, you've been on many times and it's always a pleasure. And Luke, it's the first time, hopefully not the last one. But Luke, I just wanted to give you the opportunity. If people want to get behind you guys and what you're doing there in Paris, you didn't have much time to share about what you're doing, but you, I believe you're a fire base, correct, in, in Paris. And so they're doing a tremendous work. And so what's the best way to people for people to find out more information about what you're doing or possibly partner with you and get involved? Yeah, so thank you very much. I appreciate it. It means a lot. Um, yeah, so we're missionaries here in France. We've been here for a few years. Um, and it's just like you said, Firebase. And we have places of uh, Firebases throughout France where we're just simply praying for a move of God. And um, so, yeah, we have our, our website, Lober Ministries, L-O-E-B-E-R, ministries.org. And then, you know, if you just follow me, um, Luke Lober, um, on Instagram, and we, you know, have updates and share and um, but I mean, if anything, pray for France and, you know, yeah. pray for Europe to encounter a move of God because Europe needs, uh, there's a huge harvest in Europe and people are praying in different places. And yeah, we're knowing we're, we we're fully convinced that there's a move of God coming to Europe. So yeah, thank you. Thank you. You know, Josh, for even making more people, I think, aware in the United States of, of what God is doing in Europe and what is about to happen in Europe. So thank you so much for allowing me to come on. It really is an honor and a, and a privilege for, for me. I really, really am humbled and I appreciate it. Yeah, and, and so what, what we're going to do guys, we're going to, I'm going to put the link to their website at the bottom of this podcast. And again, if you're watching on Facebook or on Instagram, we also have the audio version available on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Google play, SoundCloud, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can listen to this. And uh, guys, again, thank you so much and really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Josh. All right.